You've heard me talk about my preferred fish oil brand, Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions. Well, I'm happy to report that they also offer a great line of premium quality, clinically relevant, professional-grade products which help support optimal immune function, including quercetin, NAC, Viracon, and Allerc. Quercetin supports healthy sinus and respiratory function. NAC delivers antioxidant support. Viracon is a unique herbal formula for comprehensive immune system support. And Aller-C provides respiratory histamine and sinus support. I'm so impressed with these products that I took them with me on my recent trip to Iceland. For more information and to order, go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co. Vital Nutrients products are formulated by healthcare professionals utilizing peer-reviewed research, bioavailable and bioactive ingredients in therapeutic doses. I take them and use them in my practice. Just go to vitalnutrients.co and check them out. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to focus on a very important aspect of uh, integrative medicine, uh, which is uh, the deployment of natural herbal remedies. Uh, I have in front of me a great book, The Cellular Wellness Solution, Tap into Your Full Health Potential with the Science-Backed Power of Herbs. Uh, Today, we're talking to Dr. Bill Rawls. Uh, Dr. Rawls uh, is an expert on the subject, and uh, he uh, has uh, excellent credentials in conventional medicine, uh, but uh, at a midpoint in his career, he kind of turned his attention to uh, natural interventions, and we're going to hear about uh, his transformation, and we're going to hear a little bit about uh, herbs and their applications, and also on uh, herbal safety and how to select uh, credible uh, suppliers of herbal supplements, what to look for, what to avoid. So uh, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Dr. Rawls. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Oh, well, thanks for asking me, truly. It's my great pleasure. So uh, when it comes to uh, to to uh, natural medicine, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, because you st- you're actually a this is interesting in terms of uh, your history. Uh, you are a fourth-generation physician. You come from a long line of physicians. And uh, it may be just possible that your great-grandfather uh, practiced medicine in an era where uh, they weren't disparaging uh, natural remedies. Is, is that true? Uh, you know, that's very true and often something that I've thought about. Um, I didn't, of course, meet my great-grandfather. Uh, but he uh, practiced in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and they did tend to use more natural therapies, but there was a transition to move more toward pharmaceuticals um, because they were looking for specific actions. Indeed, and there there was something called the Flexner Report. I I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, it Uh was an effort to standardize medicine because uh, with uh, the good that came from uh, embracing our natural tradition uh, of using wildcrafted herbs, you know, the the pioneer tradition and the the traditions of 
the Caribbean and uh, Europe uh, and uh, Latin America and various places that people came from. Uh, there was also the bad, which was that they were using unsafe nostrums. Uh, they were using products that contained uh, mercury and arsenic. Uh, and so there was an effort to, quote, reform medicine. Uh, but what got lost was uh, a connection uh, to a very plausible uh, armamentarium of natural uh, remedies, right? Yeah, yeah, I, and, and I get it. You know, it, it, it before that, there was no standardization, and people all over the country, or physicians all over the country, were using a lot of different kinds of therapies. And so it was an effort to standardize. So physicians in San Francisco were using the same things as physicians in New York City and were the same things being used in rural North Carolina, uh, where my great-grandfather and grandfather were. Um, so I get that. I understand it. But it's it's really, really difficult to, un to standardize herbal therapy and natural therapies in the same way. So we really did lose something uh, that I think we're missing desperately. Indeed. So uh, you, there was uh, something that happened to you mid-career. It was sort of an, an epiphany uh, that led you to embrace uh, a more integrative approach to medicine. Can you share that with us? Yeah. When I went to medical school, um, there was a, a huge emphasis on medical and surgical therapies. And even then in medical school, it was obvious that a lot of these things weren't curative, that people just weren't getting well. So I gravitated toward obstetrics and gynecology because it was dealing with a basically a well set of patients. It was bringing life into the world. And it was really pretty exciting. Um, the thing that came with that, though, was pretty severe call um, that I was on call every second to third night um, for uh, 20 years that I was beating that kind of call schedule. I mean, if you can imagine going out on Friday and not getting finished until Monday morning and um, being busy that entire time and doing that every second to third weekend and then having a few calls during the week too, and balancing community and, 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 and kids and everything else. And I could do it in my 30s, but as I crept into my 40s, uh, late 40s, I crashed. And But even after I gave up the call, changed my diet, did all the things that you would expect um, to re restore uh, wellness, it didn't happen. You know, I was just left in this state of misery and identified with fibromyalgia because they couldn't really find a diagnosis later with chronic Lyme disease because I found I was carrying some of the microbes that are associated with Lyme disease. And that, uh, you know, that, you know, everybody with fibromyalgia wants a diagnosis of Lyme disease because that might mean you can take an antibiotic and get cured. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way mm -hmm. with these chronic type things. And antibiotics made me sicker instead of more well. Um, and I tried everything, every alternative therapy. I became certified in holistic medicine. I mean, I did everything. And kind of my last resort was herbal therapy. And I was getting pretty desperate at that point. Um, and it worked. 
um, didn't work overnight. You know, it took about three to five years for me to get my health back completely, but it did completely. And that's been, oh, 10 or 15 years ago. I'm now 65. I've been enjoying excellent health for over a decade. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing things at 65 that a lot of people much younger than I can't do. And uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. Indeed, when you talk about uh, Lyme disease or, or post-Lyme disease, uh, that uh, actually is part of a big bucket of uh, the walking wounded. Uh, a lot of people who have suffered from uh, previous infections, which haven't properly resolved. We can talk about uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, we can add to the list uh, long COVID. Uh, and so uh, a lot of these people are struggling with uh, fatigue, brain fog, uh, exertional intolerance, uh, lightheadedness, uh, body aches, uh, you name it, bewildering symptoms that unfortunately conventional medicine doesn't uh, deal well with. Uh, so right. uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the things that, that moved you uh, into the back into the wellness zone. Well, again, you know, I did give up call. I had to change my lifestyle completely. I changed my practice. I switched to more what would be considered uh, functional medicine practice at this point in time. And um, but it was really the herbal therapy. And, you know, I I just really embraced it. I mean, I was taking handfuls of capsules a couple of times a day. I was using really high grade standardized extracts and the blends of the different herbs and taking those high grade extracts really started doing the trick. And at the time, I really just didn't understand why, you know, I thought I was like everyone else, just killing the Lyme microbe. And it turns out that chronic Lyme is quite a bit more complicated than that. And that has been part of my journey. And I don't really see chronic Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, or all the many, many diagnoses that, that fit those symptoms along with, frankly, any other chronic illness in the same way. And I just, uh, when we look at chronic illness, trying to define them those ways, in, in terms of diagnosis, is very, very artificial. And it doesn't always work. Um, so I stepped back and started asking the question, not what's the diagnosis, but why is the patient sick? Why was I sick? And later with my patients, you know, what was going on? And how can we address those underlying stress factors that are driving the illness instead of worrying about which diagnosis we need to suppress with drugs? Indeed. And so uh, probably among the herbs that you took are, are things called uh, adaptogens. Can you discuss uh, what those are? Because you uh, allude to them in the book uh, and how they might help uh, patients who are uh, sort of stuck like you were. Right. Um, well, it's um, it goes a little bit to the definition of what the herb is doing. And if you look at traditional herbal medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, the different traditions from around the world, they were observational. So basically it was, you know, I'm using these herbs because historically I know they match your symptom profile, which is a lot like what we do with conventional medicine. 
Whereas I'm looking at what the herbs are actually doing. And what the herbs are doing is protecting our cells. So that's, that's really the gist of the book is that we, our body is composed of cells and we have over 200 different types of cells in the body. Everything that happens in the body is a function of cells. And if you're sick, it's because your cells are sick. And so cells need good nutrients, cells need a toxin-free environment, cells need downtime with sleep for us to recover, and they need exercise to move blood to get nutrients uh, delivered and toxins moved away. So those are kind of fundamental cellular health. But then we've got this microbe component, and it turns out that we're all chronically exposed to microbes throughout our lifetime. You know, we have uh, bacteria, viruses, protozoa, yeast that we're exposed to. But what my uh, research now, what worldwide research is showing is that, you know, we have bacteria that trickle over from our gut, um, from our skin, from our sinuses, from our, from our teeth um, and gums, and they end up in our cells. And if our cells are healthy, we stay healthy then the microbes stay dormant. So it appears that we have this like this stealth micro microbiome in our tissues and our blood that we're showing that it's not just the Lyme microbes, it's lots of different things that we're just starting to understand that are dormant in our tissues. And they stay dormant unless your cells get stressed. And if your cells are weak, they start to emerge. And and they emerge throughout the body. So you get brain symptoms like brain fog, you get heart symptoms, you get joint symptoms, you get muscle symptoms, you get weak because your cells aren't working. And that's what these conditions are. So I'm looking at chronic Lyme disease in a bigger way. And it really connects with all illnesses. Um, so when you look at the herbs, what they're doing is protecting cells. So they're protecting cells from free radicals, toxic substances, radiation. Um, they're enhancing the ability of cells to recover from stress, but they're also protecting us from microbes. So all plants have antimicrobial properties. So the plants are producing all these chemical substances in the herb to protect their cells. So when we take them, it's like we're getting this intelligent, sophisticated defense system that protects our cells. And when we combine different herbs, we compound that protection. So it's really cool. So getting back to your question of adaptogens, what adaptogens are, are herbs that have this ability of exceptional cellular protection, but they don't have any drug-like properties, they don't have side effects, so that we can take them on a, on a routine, regular basis, like for the rest of your life. But adaptogens, very specifically compared to some other herbs, balance stress hormones. And that makes them exceptionally interesting because if we can find something that makes us more stress resilient by protecting ourselves and balancing our stress hormones, 
wow, who wouldn't want that every day? Indeed. So what are some of your favorite uh, adaptogens? You know, often cited uh, are things like uh, ginseng, uh, ashwagandha, uh, uh, rhodiola. Uh, these are among the most popular. Do you, do you favor those or do you are you uh, a fan of, of some lesser well-known herbs? Oh, I truly I like them all. I don't I've never used ginseng very much because it um, it's somewhat rare. It, it's harder to get in nature in the wild state. So it, it's one of those things that we should be um, conscious of conservation. But it's also very stimulating. Um, it, it is the most stimulating of all the adaptogens. My favorite is rhodiola. And I take rhodiola on a daily basis. Um, it's As an exceptionally I. good adaptogen. And it, uh, it's from Siberia. So when we look at what the plant might offer us, you know, you have to look to the environment where the plant grows. So it grows in a harsh northern environment. Um, Siberia is its native location, but they've actually found that a close relative grows in uh, the Appalachians of uh, North America. Uh, it's been found up in Alaska, so it gets around. Um, you know, when we look at plants, we find the same plants or relatives in similar environments. Um, so this harsh environment, the plant is putting out this chemistry to protect the plant cells against those harsh conditions. So when we take rhodiola, it's exceptionally good for helping us tolerate like uh, hard working conditions. Traditionally, it was used for people that were working in at elevation or harsh environments or long hours, and it just gave them more resilience. So it's a really nice herb. Indeed. Uh, so uh, ashwagandha is often cited as uh, an adaptogen. Is, is that part of your herbal armamentarium? Uh, yes, uh, it's another great one. Um, I, you know, it, it's, uh, I've, ashwagandha was one of the first uh, adaptogens that I used when I started formulating herbs. And um, it's an example of the difference in quality between different herbs. So I was using a standard grade ashwagandha and it, yeah, it was okay. So I happened upon a, uh, a, a really highly purified, concentrated, standardized extract um, with a trade name Sensorel. And I found that that, it was about 10 times better. It was just really good. Um, but I found that, it, you know, when it, there's this thing when you combine herbs, you get a synergy that's more than one of the single herbs by itself. So ashwagandha is really great for balancing central hormone pathways that have been disrupted by stress. Um, so in the product, I combined it with L-theanine, an amino acid that you find in green tea that competes with exciting neurotransmitters in the brain and has this really nice calming effect. And then a couple of other calming herbs that also affect your, our adrenal functions, uh, philodendron and a magnolia species from Chinese medicine. And you throw those together, 
because sometimes ashwagandha is a little bit stimulating in some people and you put in some of those calming and focusing herbs with it, wow, do you get really a nice effect. So, so you are a fan of uh, herbal combinations, herbal formulas, uh, using several herbs together simultaneously. Uh, but in your book, you, you talk about how perhaps people should be wary of some of these combinations because maybe they pay lip service to one or another, you know, ingredient, but the, the ingredients aren't there in adequate amounts to do the heavy lifting. It, it, did I, did I well, understand you correctly? I, I, what I, I'm talking about there is proprietary blends. Okay. Um, well, they don't even, disclo- they don't even disclose what's in there. They say it's, you know, right. uh, asterisk so you, proprietary blend. Right. Okay. Right. So, the, so, you know, you have a list of maybe six to 12 ingredients that are in the product, but they don't agree. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's, I look for transparency. You know, I want to know the amount of each herb. I want to know what type of extract is being used and when we see a proprietary blend they typically they're hiding information so you don't know how much of each you get it you know you just get a milligram quantity of all the herbs together so you don't know how much of each herb was represented in that formula you don't know anything about the quality they use and typically those products don't perform very well so that's what I was talking about in the book is just helping people you know search and find better products. And uh, do you think that uh, there's enough transparency or that the standards are rigorous enough uh, and that consumers can actually uh, discern which products are the real deal? And, you know, there's also the issue of uh, contamination, toxicity. Uh, You know, you may go to like a store in Chinatown and all the writing is Chinese. And, you know, sometimes you may not know what you're getting. It, It may be great. But there, are, there have been instances of uh, contamination with medication, with uh, heavy metals, and so on. Uh, you know, I, I think it's an ongoing concern. And it's, uh, quite frankly, the FDA just doesn't have enough power to police it all. Um, and they are not doing a very good job of regulating the supplement industry or quite frankly, in some ways, the drug industry either. But um, even at its worst, the supplement industry, you know, you might hear of a few bad outcomes a year. You can compare that to the pharmaceutical industry where it's every day. And still, even in its worst form, herbal medicine is relatively safe. Um, that being said, finding best products, and I, I give a, a lot of guidelines to help people sort through and really figure out where the products are going, that, that they can get products that they can trust, that they can rely on. Um, and fortunately, ad- adulteration with drugs or really toxic substances is, is pretty rare. And that's generally fringe kind of products that people are uh, looking to enhance some function in their body to superhuman levels or something like that. Um, you know, so, so most of these things uh, are, are not that way. And it's, it's, um, but it, it's really par- partially, you know, 
uh, up to the company to do that kind of homework. And I know in all of our products, um, we do several levels of testing all through the, uh, the, the through, from the time the, the plant leaves, the, the extract leaves the, the supplier all the way until it goes through the manufacturing process. We're testing and retesting to make sure that you know we're getting what we want. And there are a lot of good companies out there that are doing exactly the same thing. Um, and most and of them way, are going way, to give some indication of that. And by the way, that your, your company is Vital Plan um, that um, Correct. Is, makes a, a variety of uh, herbal formulas and uh, which are essentially um, uh, formulated under your supervision. Yeah, you know, we that's uh, when I was a physician and looking at all this, I, you know, when I started, I, and at first I had this, you know, really remarkable experience and I wanted to make it available to my patients. And when I started looking around, it was like it, it was hard to find the combinations that I wanted, the quality I wanted. So I decided to look into having some products made just for my patients in my office and uh, was fortunate to hook up with the right people and the, the right companies to really produce those high level of, of products. Started out with just a few. Uh, my patients loved it and we gradually expanded it from there. Um, but it was all about, you know, providing that high level of quality that people were going to get the same kind of results that I had, but also the education that went along with it to understand how to optimize their life and their health. Indeed. Okay, so this is a good point at which to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Uh, you've been listening to Dr. Bill Rawls. He's author of a great new book, The Cellular Wellness Solution, Tap into Your Full Health Potential with Science-Backed Power of Herbs. And uh, he uh, also uh, is uh, the developer of uh, and formulator of products under the Vital Plan label. Uh so uh, when we return, we're going to take a look at some specific uh, health issues uh, and talk about uh, the application of herbal and natural therapy to them. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 